I cannot believe we have been on this topic for seven weeks. Woohoo! And somehow we need to put that on the back screen. It's got taken off again. We got the back screen working. Everybody say, yeah! Thank you. That way I don't have to look behind me all the time. <laughs> and believe me, it's annoying for this pastor. So extraordinary living, applying the life of Joseph to our modern day lives. You know, the scriptures were, first of all, intended to direct us to God, right? They're his love letters to us. As I, that's how I look at them. From the Old Testament to the New it's God showing us who he is and who we are in him. But also, it's intended to help us live this life. God didn't just leave us on this planet just to languish, to try to, oh, what do I do next? You know, if you know your word, if you know what's in this book that we call the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, it will help you to live a righteous life. And that's what it's all about. Because when you do it God's way, you're going to be all right. When you do it your way, yeah, it's going to cause some issues, isn't it? So I wanted to start out today by reading this from Genesis 45 and verse 4. And I know I read this before we ended last time, but here we go. Please come closer. Who said that? Joseph, of course. And they came closer. And he said to them, uh-oh, I am your brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. So just background for those of you who are just getting into this thing today. They sold Joseph into slavery when he was younger. And for 10 years he went through as being a slave, getting thrown into prison. And now, now he is second in command of all of Egypt. So he's like the top dog pretty much. In fact, the Pharaoh said, you are in command when I'm not on my throne. So Joseph ran everything as long as the Pharaoh wasn't sitting on his throne. So in verses 5 to 8, Joseph told his brothers that he wasn't angry with them. And I went through this in a lot of detail last week. Even though they'd sold him into slavery, even though he had to go to prison because of them, he said, I'm, I'm not upset with you guys. Now this had to be good news. Because if he had been upset, if he had been somebody that wanted to hold a grudge, they would have been in big trouble, being that he was the governor. He could have done anything he'd wanted to them, right? So it had to have been good news when they heard him say, it was God's doing. It was God's doing. And Joseph realized that even though he went through all that pain and suffering, God had a purpose and a plan for him. A plan not to harm him, but to give him a hope and a future. And because of Joseph, a whole nation and his family would survive this horrendous time of famine where nothing would grow. I had this application from uh, his life, and that is this. Is it possible that the adversity you have faced may be leading you to your God destiny? 
And that's a question we should ask often. When you find yourself in a, a really extreme position, just stop and just take a breath and say, Lord, what am I supposed to learn from this? Is there a, a, a fight going on here that I should know about? Is there an enemy who's coming after me trying to eat my lunch? And he'll give you the answers to that. Now, if it's you, you have to be open to that. Maybe you brought this on yourself because sometimes that happens, right? When we sin, that opens the door. When we sin, that opens the door. Come on. When we sin, that opens the door. And what I mean by that is not only do you let the devil in, but the covering of God sometimes comes off of us because we're not living the way we're supposed to. How many want the covering of God on them, on their families, on their finances, especially today? So then live for him. Joseph sent his brothers home to fetch his dad, which I like that word, fetch. His dad's name, of course, was Jacob. And this is the same Jacob that we read about, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In verse 9, I'm going to start reading there. Hurry back to my father and tell him, Joseph said. This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds, and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. How many would think, this is pretty good news? Not only is he inviting them to come back to Egypt, He's giving them prime real estate. And we'll get into that more in just a minute. Let me keep going here. Verse 12 and 13. Then Joseph added, Look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I, am real, that I really am Joseph. Go tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen, and then bring my father here quickly. Can you sense that Joseph really wants to see his dad? I mean, imagine, he hasn't seen him in years. Probably at this point, 12-ish, 12, 13 years. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them, and after that, they began talking freely with him. Isn't it amazing, men, men, when we risk showing emotion, what it can do for a situation? Have you ever found yourself letting things go, so to speak, balling your head off sometimes? Now, some of you men, no, I don't do that. Why not? Where does it say in the Bible men shouldn't cry? fact, to the contrary, Jesus wept. And if Jesus can weep, weep. <laughs> we can weep too. Amen. And sometimes I think our kids and our grandkids 
Our precious little babies, they need to see that we're real and that we're not just this hard-hearted, calloused old person. Well, I'm old. Even if you're young or young person, dads who are young, your kids need to see you be emotional. Joseph was emotional. What was the outcome? Read that at the end. What's it say? They began to talk with him freely because they realized he's forgiven us. This is real. They weren't sure because he played so many games with them. Remember how he played cat and mouse with them a couple of times. They're probably going, okay, what's he going to do to me now? But no, they realized, hey, this dude just opened up, man. There's a gusher coming out of him. And I'm sure they all felt the peace that, all right, he's not going to shish kebab us, which he could have. So as Joseph did, allow others to see that you can be soft. And listen, I think it takes more courage to do that than it does to suck it up. Show them how manly you are. And there's nothing wrong with that either, but let there be a balance. You get what I'm saying? I mean, don't always come around weeping. That's not right either. (laughs) I'll be correcting you. I mean, nah, you missed the point. The news soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, this is what you must do. This is coming from Pharaoh, the top dog, all right? Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all your families and return here to me. I will give you the very best land in Egypt, and you will eat from the best that the land produces. How cool is that? He doesn't even know this guy yet. He hasn't met Jacob yet. And yet he's rolling out the red carpet. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, take wagons from the land of Egypt to carry your little children and your wives and bring your father here. Don't worry. I love this. Don't worry about your personal belongings for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. You talk about the favor of God. Man, how many could use some of that? (laughs) Hallelujah. As I looked at this, I I thought of a couple of things. One is, this could be kind of a selfish motive. Because if Jacob didn't come to Egypt, then Joseph might want to go be with him in Canaan. And I think Pharaoh really liked Joseph. Because this man was... Well, he pretty much was running the country for him. So he didn't have to do much except rule when he wanted to. The other thing is, I think he really liked Joseph. He just liked being around him. Joseph was a likable guy. And can I add there, folks, we should be likable. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, people shouldn't get around us and go, ew, 
That doesn't mean you have to be the most obnoxiously friendly person in the world. I don't mean that. But you at least should be likable. Does that make sense? And I believe Joseph was. And it led to the favor of God being on him. So the sons of Jacob did as they were told. Joseph provided them with wagons as Pharaoh had commanded, and he gave them supplies for the journey. I love this. He gave them a whole new set of clothes. Ladies, wouldn't that be awesome? And men. I love this. He gave them supplies for the journey. He gave them 300 pieces of silver. That's a lot. All right? I didn't do the math, but it was a lot. He also sent his father 10 male donkeys loaded with the finest products of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread, and other supplies that he would need on his journey. So Joseph sent his brothers off, and as they left, he called after them, (laughs) don't quarrel about all this on the way home. And they left Egypt and returned to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. What was Joseph saying to his brothers? What do you think he meant by this? Thank you. He had a feeling that when the brothers went home, nine or ten of them, however many there were, they were going to argue Who's going to tell dad that they were responsible for selling Joseph into slavery? Because Jacob didn't know yet. And he said, hey, don't argue about that. That's behind you. Just enjoy the ride. Hallelujah. I thought that was pretty cool. Did I finish that? Sorry? They left Egypt to return to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. Now this part. Jacob, or Joseph is still alive, they told him. And he is governor of all the land of Egypt. Now if I was his dad, I'd be like, what? I'd be stunned. Jacob was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when they repeated to Jacob, so they had to tell him more than once, because he's like, Huh? When they repeated to Jacob everything Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him, their father's spirit was revived. Took him a minute to buy into this. He's probably thinking, come on, Joseph's dead. But when he looked at the wagons, he realized, whoa, these are royal wagons. These aren't just normal, everyday wagons. Sheep herder kind of wagons. Yeah, these are the Cadillac of the wagons. And he knew that the boys weren't messing with him. Then Jacob exclaimed, it must be true. It must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go and see him before I die. Now, you're going to figure out by the time I'm done here today, Joseph knows that, not Joseph, Jacob knows that he's at the end of his life. Now, sometimes we get that from the Lord. Sometimes it's just from getting out of bed in the morning and your body's going, 
and you know you're coming close to the end. Whichever way it was, he knew he was getting close, and he really did want to see this son who he thought was dead, who was alive. Now notice this next part, and I put both in here. So Jacob also called Israel in some of the different translations. He set out for Egypt with all his possessions. And when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Jacob replied. Remember hearing that in another scripture? Was it, was it Samuel? In the middle of the night, that little boy kept hearing God calling his name. Well, Jacob heard God call his name. There's probably nothing that will move you emotionally more than God calling you by your name or calling you son or daughter one of his kids. And it will happen if you're in the faith long enough and you don't give up on God, you will hear him call you by name. So Jacob heard God speak to him. Now Joseph, I keep saying Joseph, Jacob chose this spot because it was familiar to him. He chose Beersheba to uh, build this sacrificial uh, thing so that he could hear from God. He really wanted to know that by him going to Egypt, that this was God's plan. And I just, I want everybody here to understand it's our responsibility when we begin to feel like God's nudging us to go somewhere. We need to make sure. I think in Scripture it says, let it be from the mouth of two or three witnesses that something is established. So when God starts to move you on, you need to ask, Lord, is this you? And that's what Jacob was doing here. He wanted to truly know that God had his back and that he wasn't making a mistake. And this wasn't the first time that Jacob had called upon his God, the God of his father, to get direction. I want to go back to verse chapter uh, 32 in, G- in Genesis. I'm just going to read this from my what I remember of it. But How many remember that Jacob had an older brother? And his name was? The furry one, right? <laughs> Jacob was hairy. Esau was hairy. Esau looked like a goat. Hairy chest, hairy arms. I don't know how many of you men and ladies are like that, but (laughs) just messing with you. But Esau was a hunter and a fisher. He was like the mountain man of the day. Nobody'd mess with him. I have a brother like that. His name's Tim. And Tim, Tim's like up here, and he actually chased a deer down once. I'm not making that up. He chased a deer down, and he caught it, all right? He wounded it, but he caught it. That's just how my brother was, and and I never messed with him because he was over here, and he was about this, like this guy. So this is how Esau was, and Jacob did something he probably shouldn't have done. He lied, and he 
got his father's blessing deceptively. You think his older brother was happy about that? Uh-uh. I think sparks were flying. I think Jacob knew, man, if I don't get out of town quick, this brother is going to take me out. And that's what happened back in chapter 32. So he sends his family across the river, and he has this quiet moment. And this is where God calls him. Why is this important? Because today we need to do the same thing. You don't have to go along a brook. You can, but you don't have to go to a brook. You need to go somewhere where you're familiar. You need to go to a place where you have heard from God before. Or maybe this is your first time. You need to establish a place where you can go before God. And in chapter 32, if you go back there and read it, and I'm not going to go there right now, but I just want you to understand that something amazing happened there. Jacob showed who he really was. Somebody showed up. A man. Scripture defines him or explains it as a man. A man showed up and started to wrestle with Jacob. What? Now, if you're praying and some dude comes in and it's like the WWE, I don't know. It happened to Jacob. Isn't there any? Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying it's not real, real. You mean when they smack them guys with those metal chairs, that isn't real? Thanks, Mary, you ruined it. All this time, I, I was thinking it was real. Let me go back just briefly. Jacob is here because he fears that his brother is going to kill him. He needed some answers and he needed them quick. God loves it when we go after him. Ladies, God loves it when you go after him. Anybody in this room, if you're watching online, God loves it when you go after him. He's never going to go, oh, wait, wait, I've had too much of Ken today. Yeah, I'm picking on you because you were moving around. <laughs> He's not going to say that. He's not going to say, you know what, Mandy, really, you've come to me three times today. I've had enough. I get it. No, that's not how God's going to do it. He wants to have a relationship with you. You can't, like sometimes our grandkids can wear us out. I've had my two little grandchildren, four and six, Evangeline and Isabel, this weekend. I love having them. But man, after a while, it's like, wow, they're energetic. <laughs> my house is quiet normally. Well, Barb's there, but... No, <laughs> that was a joke. Jeez, come on, easy. You know me. That's my dry sense of humor. Or no humor. God loves it when we wrestle with him in prayer. 
I can't say that enough. You know what? Too many of us need to learn how to wrestle. Hello? This isn't a suggestion today, by the way. I believe that the Holy Spirit is trying to ignite something in this church. Martha Joe, what was it again that we're supposed to get, get out of the familiar? Get out of what's comfortable. Start, what, is that comfortable, wrestling with God? <laughs> no. Nobody wants to wrestle with God, but that's what he enjoys. I think he likes to have a little sparring going on with you. The Bible says that the man that Jacob wrestled with was actually God. Let me read that real quick. Verse 28. Your name, and I showed this because this name is, it was Jacob, now it's going to be? I love this. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Can you believe that God let him win? He did. Could God have just gone, he'd be dead, yeah. But he liked the challenge. He liked Jacob to feel like he was part of this. And God likes us to feel like we're part of this relationship. Does that make sense? He fought with God. By the way, when you hear the name Israel, this is what it means. They have fought with God and with men and they have won. Israel, that is the nation in the Old Testament. And we're going to hear about this more. But today, let me just say this. They're known for wrestling with God. Pray for them. Pray for the land of Egypt, or Israel. God gave Jacob a new name. Why? Because of its tenacity. He refused to let go until God blessed him. And that's where I wanted to go with this today. We need to be in a place where when we go to prayer, we don't give up until God blesses us, till we get that peace, till we know that we are right where we're supposed to be. I should be hearing a lot more amens from you guys today. You're letting me down. I'm sorry. Amen. Because Joseph didn't let go, though, what'd God do? <laughs> he knocks his hip out of socket. And as we understand it, it never really came back. It could be one of the reasons he knew he was going to die, because everywhere he went, it was like this. Yeah, he walked differently, that's true. If you've ever had a hip joint out, oh man, it is not pleasant. But this showed how tenacious Jacob's prayer life was. And here's the takeaway. Once again, like Jacob, we need to be tenacious in our prayer life. Can you say that with me? Like Jacob, 
we need to be tenacious in our prayer life. Back to our text. Jacob chose Beersheba as a place of worship because he was familiar with it. He needed to hear from God, so he made an Old Testament sacrifice. Now, we don't do that anymore. Most of us don't have cattle. Only John and Debbie have cattle. They have a lot of cattle, by the way. In fact, they brought us up a half a cow. Thank you for that. But most of us don't have the animals to sacrifice. Plus, God doesn't expect that anymore. Jesus was the final sacrifice. Once and for all, he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So we don't have to do that. But we do still need to find a place to worship him. To get tenacious with him. When people have to make difficult decisions, it helps if you can find a place where you, you feel comfortable. Sometimes it's a church. How many of you go to church when you need to hear from God? That, that's okay. <laughs> I think church is a great place to hear from the Lord. doesn't have to be church. It can be out in the woods. Some of you guys are nature people. I love it. Don't laugh. When I go out on the boat in the summer, I just happen to have a fishing pole in my hand. But when I go out there, I can hear from the Lord because it's so peaceful out there. If I catch a big one in the process, okay. Win-win. Find the right spiritual atmosphere because there you will be able to hear better from the Lord. By the way, we plan on at the Hope having a, a time of soaking and prayer in the near future. and Just keep an eye open to that. But where we'll spend a night, maybe two or three, I don't know. We haven't officially made this decision. Some of you are just hearing about it now. Some of on the board, but we've been talking. So I want to give you guys an opportunity to go deeper. After Jacob sought God, the Lord gave him the dream or the vision that he had. It was similar to Joseph's. What I love about this passage in Genesis 32 is this. The Lord met Jacob right where he was. You see, you don't have to go to another country to hear from God. You can hear from him right here in little Gaylord, Michigan. I believe that if you'll take the time to go after him, that he will meet you right where you're at. And I believe that this confirms Jesus' words that we find in Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For some who ask, Oh, did I misread that? For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And, and I always want to point out when I read this, notice that it's ongoing. You're in the moment, but it's ongoing. It's not a once and done. It's not ask, receive, ask, seek, knock. It's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. What does that show you? God likes to wrestle. 
to, I don't know how else to put it. Have you saw this before? God wants to wrestle with you. He wants you to wrestle with him. He wants you to go to him when you need answers. How many have, you're in a place right now where you really need to have some answers. Look at the hands going up all over the room. So this is perfect. Get on that wrestling uniform. I hate those things. If you're a wrestler, I'm sorry, but you know, they're, they're cut off here, and then they have the muscle things here. They just don't look comfortable, but I'm sure that there's a reason, probably. Get your, get your wrestling outfit on and get in the ring and start wrestling with God. If you need answers, listen to me. God is going to answer. God will answer you. Just don't give up. Jacob didn't give up, and God answered him. I am God, the God of your father. The voice said, <laughs> Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go down, I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. But you will die in Egypt with Joseph attending to you. There are a few things I wanted to point out here real quick. First, the Lord identified who he was. Jacob d didn't question it. I mean, he knew. Hey, God's speaking. And he told Jacob to, not to be afraid. That seems to be, whenever these deities show up, whether they're angelic beings or whatever, usually they, they add this part. Don't be afraid. So that leads me to believe that there's some pretty serious looking dudes. Or dudettes. I don't know what they are. Maybe neutral. We don't know. We'll find out someday. God told Jacob it was his plan for him to go to Egypt. And then he told Jacob that he was going to make a way for his family to become a great nation. Now, I'm sure that Jacob's sitting there going, I mean, there's what, 60, 70 of us? But look at what God did with him. Do you realize that the body of Christ is a descendant of Jacob's? We all descended from his line. Jesus descended from Jacob. A great nation. And someday that nation is going to be in heaven. And we're all going to be worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are going to be standing there and God's going to go, see? I told you. Great nation. And then finally, and I don't know why, but in the Old Testament they were really big on this where you died thing, where your bones were, were laid. Today we just fry everybody. We just incinerate them and it's over. But back then, they really cared about where their bones went. And Jacob was a little bit worried about that. Being in Egypt, he didn't want to die there because that wasn't the promised land. He wanted his bones to be where Abraham and Isaac's were. And God said, it's okay, all right? I'm going to get you there, but it's going to happen after you die. But the good news is, Joseph's going to be there when you close your eyes. He's going to get to see his son again. 
Hallelujah. The son that he thought was dead, but he's alive. Who? I've heard that one before. Huh? If you don't leave with anything else today, leave with this. God answers prayer. He answered Jacob's prayers down to the letter. Just a quick observation from Craig Keener. He's one of my favorite scholars. And he said this, the idea that Joseph will close his father's eyes assures Jacob of his reunion with Joseph. It also hints that God bringing Jacob back to Canaan does not mean during Jacob's lifetime. Hear this, not all of God's promises are always fulfilled directly in our individual lives. Sometimes they're fulfilled in the legacy that, by God's grace, we get to leave behind. You may be praying for somebody in your family. It may be a grandson, a granddaughter. You may not get to see that person come to Christ. But God is saying it's going to happen. It just may be not in your lifetime. You may not see it directly. Does that make sense? So Jacob left Beersheba and his sons took him to Egypt. They carried him and their little ones and their wives and the wagons that Pharaoh had provided for them. They also took all their livestock and all the personal belongings they had acquired in the land of Canaan so Jacob and his entire family went to Egypt. Sons, grandsons, daughters, granddaughters, all his descendants. Jacob's whole tribe was going to Egypt by way of Canaan. The, the best that I can figure, they traveled about 460 miles. I mean, that's, that's a lot even in a vehicle. And I'm sure they were thankful for these Cadillac wagons. Because for an old guy, that would be a pretty rough ride, 460 miles. And I'm sure the roads weren't like our highways are today. Most agree that there were 67 family members that traveled to Egypt, not including the daughters-in-law. So if you're a daughter-in-law, they're your chopped liver. I, I don't know why they don't count them, but they don't. So that's just how it is, Sorry. Another reason that this was huge is because most people never left their birthplace. One thing that I've noticed in my own life is that God likes to move us around sometimes. He did with us anyway. Now, he brought us back, ironically. We left for a season, and then we came back. I never thought that we would ever move from Lansing where I was born and raised. And my wife, was she was actually a hill folk. She was born in Tennessee. Kingsport, Tennessee. So she's always southern, and she claims she's a hillbilly, but she didn't really live there that long, six months. But we never thought we'd leave Lansing. And then the Lord called us to go into ministry, and everything changed. This is what I learned from our experience. Sometimes I think God challenges us to move because it only leaves us with Him. 
Before that, we leaned on our family. We leaned on our, our friends who, we had a big group of friends in Lansing, like John and Debbie. But when you are challenged to pick up stakes and go somewhere that you're not familiar with, sometimes that can be a pretty big event, especially when you have four boys, like we did. Or, in Jacob's case, 67 that's a lot of people. Say that's, tell your neighbor, that's a lot of people. It forces you to rely on him when you find yourself in this place. And I just add that it's a huge faith builder. You want to see what you're made of? Move away from everybody that you know and you're comfortable with. And the only one left is you and God. <laughs> that will build your faith. Verses 8 to 26, it just lists all the family members. I'm not going to just say, thank God he's not going to read all those. I'm not going to read all those names. Genesis 46, 27. In addition, Joseph had two sons who were born in Egypt. So altogether, there were 70 members of Jacob's family in the land of Egypt. Again, daughter-in-law not counted. Sorry. As they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the region of Goshen. And when they finally arrived there, Joseph prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father Jacob. When Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept. read this a hundred times and I just had this image of seeing my dad again in heaven it's going to happen again you know if you've lost your mom or dad you're going to see him again in heaven just like this when Joseph arrived he embraced his father and wept holding him for a long time finally Jacob said to Joseph now I'm ready to die since I've seen your face again and know you are alive. Wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't think I was going to share this this quick, but it's just a, something happened last Sunday. God gave me a word, I shared that word, and, and there was a, a, sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves, there's a residue that kind of, it lingers and, and that's an environment where, in my experience anyway, the Holy Spirit moves. And, and I, what I mean by that is like words of knowledge and, and prophecy and things like that. And I was talking to a couple of the ladies right over here. And I shared how, because we were talking about emotions, I shared how at eight years old, I went to my dad, and, and up to that point in my life, I always went and I gave my dad a kiss and a hug before I went to bed. And on this particular day, turned eight, my dad looks at me and he sticks his hand out and he goes, put her there, son. You're too old for that other stuff. I, I just want to say this. This isn't to get pity points. In fact, what happened was really cool. As I shared that with them, God gave me a revelation 
Because I thought all this, all these years, that that was just rejection. And it wasn't. And God showed me how when my dad was eight years old, his dad left him. This was during the Depression. And my dad had to raise his little sister, who was six at the time, because his mom had to work three jobs to make ends meet. And his dad moved out to California, and, and they lost touch for many years. My point is this. God showed me when I was talking to those ladies. The reason my dad did that was because at eight, his dad left him. And that's what he did. He had to suck it up and not let his emotions get the better of him. So I want to tell you guys, fathers, grandfathers, love your kids. Hug them, kiss them, give them smooches. Whatever it takes, it isn't too manly. In fact, if that's even in your vocabulary, you need to kick that thing to the dumpster. But I just thank God that he showed me, Norm, your dad didn't reject you. He just didn't know any different. That's what he did. <laughs> Hallelujah. All that, just from reading this, you know, sometimes scriptures can really get you. So the Lord worked everything out for Jacob's family. Again, and I've already said this once, but Goshen was a, a premier spot for them to raise their cattle and their sheep. And they were, they were herders, so that's what they did. That's how they, in fact, Joseph told them that. He said, when you get to the Pharaoh, just make sure you tell them, you guys are ranchers, you're sheep herders. Don't tell them anything else, because we want you to be up here in Goshen. That's the best spot. God also allowed Jacob to see his long-lost son before he died. And their family thrived during the famine. When God is involved, all the details are covered. In closing, I know I'm almost done. <laughs> Jacob was one example of someone going after God when they needed answers. He's one of the Bible heroes of faith. The Lord wants his people to understand that he desires the intimacy that Jacob had with him. He desires that from all of us. Remember Jesus, he spent many, many hours alone with his heavenly father. Not just to get answers. He did go to him for answers, certainly, but he just wanted to spend time with him. That leads, leads me to this. How much do you go after God? How much do you go after your Heavenly Father? That scripture that I shared <laughs> that Jesus said, are you looking for answers? Go after him. 
seek him. And I already talked about this is ongoing. Seeking him. Wrestle with him. And he will answer you. Would you stand? What answers are you looking for? Have you really gone after God to ask him, Lord, what's this all about? What do you want me to learn from this? What am I supposed to do with it? Am I supposed to not do something? I've heard people say that I've never heard from the Lord. And it's not always audible. If you have a Bible, get that thing out because I'll tell you, half of my hearing from God comes from this, maybe more than that. Because the Word is alive. Jesus was called the Logos, the Word of God. what I want to do is have you guys go through this song and, and just let the words minister to you and then I'm going to close. So
to wrestle with you, Lord, to come to you for answers, to seek your face, to understand what you want me to do next. Guide me, teach me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. God, give God the glory. One more time. By the way, if, if you prayed that prayer and you haven't already grabbed one of one of our little booklets, uh, the start of something wonderful, the new life, grab one of those on your way out. There, there's no cost for that to you, and it will help kind of guide you in, in your journey with the Lord. Tomorrow night's Monday night church, 6 p.m., and thank you for everybody that's been supporting that. It'll be our second one tomorrow night, and I just say that not for you as much as when you hear people say yeah I can't get to church because I have to work and you get to say well have I got a solution for you Monday church at the Hope so 6 p.m. tomorrow night and we had a great service last uh, last Monday last Sunday and Monday and I suspect we will again tomorrow hey love everybody make sure you say hi to somebody you don't know uh, just go out of here with your lights on. Amen. Father, thank you again for what you're doing in this church. We pray that you would put a covering over each family here. Keep us safe as we come and go. And Lord, do help us to let our light shine in this very dark world and challenge us to wrestle with you, to spend time with you, just to love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said... If, if you need prayer, our prayer partners will be up here. Love to pray with you. God bless.